Welcome to City Talk, a podcast from City View Church in Northern Virginia. City View is a church for all ages and all nations. We offer to everyone the hope, healing, and help that is found in Jesus Christ. If we're saved by faith, does it matter how good we are? Once we've received our ticket to heaven, can we do whatever we want on earth? The book of James has something to say about this. Faith was never intended to be private. How we live reveals what we really believe. Um, Pastor Mark asked us to read a few passages from the Bible. So I'll be reading from Romans 3.28 and then chapter 4, 1 through 3. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. All right, and I'm reading from James uh, chapter 2, verses 14, and then 21 through 24. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Um, when you listen to them closely, contradict one another at face value. So what do you do with this when you've got part of the Bible which seems to be saying you're saved by faith apart from the works of the law, and another part of the Bible that's saying, nope, you're saved by faith alone. So what do we... What do we do? How do we reconcile that? How do we work with this? Hold your place in James chapter 2. That's where we're going to be camping out today. And this is really important that we get this right. This should mess with our mind when you hear different sections of Scripture read that seem to say competing things, that if A is true, B can't be true. There's an obvious apparent contradiction between A person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law versus a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. It's a head-scratcher. Way back 500 years ago in the Reformation, Martin Luther even made the comment that the book of James goes, I don't know that it should be in the Bible because it seems to contradict this message that you're saved by faith. Everywhere else throughout the Bible, it's crystal clear. And then James kind of steps onto the scene and says, no, faith alone isn't sufficient. That's a real problem. And Martin Luther ranted about this, and he said that the epistle of James, it's an epistle of straw. And today that didn't mean a whole lot, but I guess back 500 years ago, that was a huge diss, a major insult to the book of James to say it's an epistle of straw. But James belongs in the Bible. So what do we do with this? Because you will have people say, hey, I read in the Bible, and it just says that if you do works, you'll be saved. And you're thinking, wait a minute. When I read the Bible, I see it says you're saved by faith. That's what they say at our church. What's going on here? So it's important that we pause 
and think about it and address it. The book of James, fancy word for it is the epistle of James. It's a letter that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote on how to live as a Christian. It's a very practical book. But as I was talking with our life group on Thursday, I said the older I get and the more I read it, the more I see that, man, I think James really expects us to do our homework and know the Old Testament. Because James is full of allusions back to the Old Testament and then also to the teachings of Jesus. And he's kind of saying, guys, I'm assuming you know this stuff and I'm just going to get on with the application. But this is the theoretical section of the book. And it's a couple paragraphs, and it's well worth us kind of pausing and saying, okay, I need to get this right to understand why I do what I do, why I live the way I ought to live. So before we go further, I want to define one of those big biblical words. Many of you probably know it, you've heard it before, justification. But I don't want this to be one of those words that, you know, you hear in church, and you kind of just gloss over it, and you're kind of like, I'm not quite sure what it means, I can't be that important. Justification is everything. Justification is when a person is declared righteous before God. And that's where God is saying, I declare you good enough. I declare you good enough to enter my heaven. I declare you good enough to have a right relationship with me. I declare you good enough so that I can adopt you into my family and be your heavenly father. Justification is wonderful. Without justification, we have no hope. We have no Christianity. It's one of the foundational beliefs that we cling to. So it's well worth our while to stop and think about this. I am justified by God, declared righteous before him. And the thing is, I know that in and of myself, I'm not good enough. The wonderful thing about Christianity is that Christianity says God has done what needed to be done so that he could justify us. Let me repeat that. God has done what needed to be done so that we could be declared righteous before him. And he did that through sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay that penalty that we couldn't pay by ourselves. And Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, and says, I will credit my goodness to you. And God declares us righteous. Every Christian needs to understand justification. Because if you don't understand it, it's going to lead you into a ditch on either side of the road. One person, maybe kind of a little bit proud, says, hey, you know, I prayed the prayer a while ago. You know, works are irrelevant. I can do whatever I want because, hey, I've got my ticket to heaven. The passage in James chapter 2 that we're about to look at says, whoa, 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 stop and think about it. The other ditch you can go into is, oh, gosh, am I good enough? I don't know that I've done it. It says I can do faith and works. Have I done enough good work? Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm in real trouble. To that person, I'd say, Relax. Jesus paid it all. He did everything that needed to be done at the cross. The fact is, genuine faith will display itself through good deeds. Genuine faith will display itself through good needs. And in the context of the book of James, it's going to be how we treat our neighbor, how we treat one another. Because one of the threads running through James is, 
Don't say you love God and couldn't care less about your neighbor, the person right beside you. James is all about show what you believe by what you do. And that's a very important thing that we need to understand as we explore this passage right here. You see, your words and your actions reveal what you believe. So we're in James chapter 2. The passage we're looking at today starts in verse 14. But when you go back in James, you'll see the whole flavor is, I'm not so interested in what you say you believe. I want to see what you believe. In chapter 1, verse 22, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. James is saying, don't just hang out in church and accumulate a lot of knowledge so you can say, this is what I know. Now, we should accumulate knowledge so we can act on it. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying ignore the Bible or ignore doctrine or anything like that. The more we know, the better, but we need to act on what we know. And that's his message throughout the epistle right here. Don't just be hearers only. Do it. The passage we looked at last week was all about how you treat your neighbor. And it seems like James had gotten wind of, wait a minute, so you're telling me that in church, people are dividing by social class? They're dividing by where they're from? They're saying, oh, no, oh, your group sits over there, we're over here. Or they give preferential treatment for those who are maybe are rich and look like they've got their act together. And James says, how dare you? If you understand the gospel and how that levels all of us, regardless of where we're from, what color our skin is, what our socioeconomic background is, the cross is the leveler. And that's what we need to remember. That's the context he's going into here. So it's like he's saying, I'm not just going into this theoretical, this uh, practical hands-on. I want you to know why I'm saying the things that I do. And he's going to use a format like this. There's going to be a question. There's going to be an answer. There's going to be three examples. And then he's going to have a conclusion. So, Let's dive into some theology. James, chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, what good is it if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? So he's setting the battlefield right here. What good is it? What practical benefit is it if someone says, yeah, 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 I have faith, but they don't have works. Can that faith save him? Answer. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? What good is it if you see a need that you can help out with, and then you just say, Be warned and be filled. God will take care of you. When the reality is, God is probably saying, yeah, I am going to take care of them, and you're the vessel I choose to use to do it. But for us to just kind of say, oh, no, no, God will get it, prayers and thoughts, whatever, however you express it, God wants us to act on what we believe. Verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And there's no fancy footwork you can do here to say, well, in the Greek, it really means that. No, it, it means it's dead. 
So let that sink in. To the person who says, yeah, yeah, I prayed the prayer, but I'm still going to live however I want to live. This is a wake-up call. And I believe that James is alluding to what his big brother said in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said at the end of it, he said, hey, there are a lot of people who are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you in Matthew chapter 7. That's a harsh wake-up call. And I think that's what James is doing in chapter 2 right here. So the question is, what good is it if you say you got faith? And James is saying, it isn't any good at all. But, verse 18, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What he's saying right here is, faith works itself out with works. The evidence of genuine faith is works. Good works should flow out of our faith. Doing good works is never going to womp up faith. But he says, when you get, let me make sure I say this right, the horse before the cart, you know what I mean, okay? When you get the order right, when you believe, and you say, this is awesome. God has saved me, and I'm trusting him, I believe. And when we're struck with the awesomeness of that, the magnitude of it, the greatness of it, is I can't believe he loved me so much, he did this for me. The only response that makes sense is, Lord, I'll do whatever you want, the good works. So the good works flow out of our faith. Faith works out with works. And then James says, because by now the people are probably scratching their heads going, let me think about this. He said, let me give you three examples. And the first one is kind of an extreme one. He says this in verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Now he's speaking to an audience which had come out of Judaism here. When they say God is one, that refers back to the Shema, the great Hebrew statement of faith in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So what he's really saying is, You guys are saying all the right churchy stuff here. You're saying the statement that we've said through centuries. But guess what? Even the demons believe and shudder. The demons know that God is one, that God is Lord of all. And they shudder, and they should, because their judgment is assured. See, demons have correct doctrine. They understand the truth. They know their doom is certain because they shudder. They realize the theological truth, but they fight it. Now, I imagine many of the people that got this letter say, yeah, well, that's pretty extreme using demons as an example here. How about someone a little bit more like us? To which James says, okay, I'll play your game. Chapter 2, picking up in verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? That's pretty harsh right there. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? 
you see that faith was active among his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. If James was a basketball player, and we know he wasn't, because basketball was not invented back then, this would have been a slam dunk. This is my case, guys. Abraham. Because anyone from a Jewish background would have said that, yep, Abraham's our guy. Abraham is the ultimate one of us. So what's true for Abraham must be true for us. But the way he closes it, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone in verse 24. And Christina just read to us earlier from Romans chapter 3 and 4, which appears to say the exact opposite thing. Romans 3.28. For we hold, this is the Apostle Paul writing, not James. We hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It's hard to get more clear than that. One is declared righteous before God apart from the works of the law. Their good works don't count in making them righteous. And as Paul goes through in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, which I just read is at the end of the chapter, he goes, he rolls into chapter 4, and he too uses the example of Abraham. In verse 5, he says, And to the one who does not work but believes him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. That's pretty clear right there that faith counts as righteousness. And as I said, it gets a little muddy because you've got James over here that we've just looked at, and we've now just looked at Paul. Both of them use the same example to argue what seemed to be the opposite thing. What's going on here? Is there a contradiction in the Bible? For the record, there's not. But these have to be able to work together. So what is going on here? Using the example of Abraham... Abraham chapter 15, God comes to Abram. His name was Abram at the time. And makes a covenant with him, makes a promise with him. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, which is quoted in James chapter 2 and in Hebrews, I mean, I'm sorry, and in uh, Romans chapter 4. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and God credited his perfection, his righteousness, his goodness to Abraham, even though Abraham didn't deserve it. In Genesis 22, it's just telling more about the story about Abraham. Genesis chapter 2 is when he went, was willing to go up the mountain with his son Isaac because God told him to. And in Genesis chapter 22, it says that Abraham's faith drove him to do what God said. The works flowed out of the faith. You must have the correct order in this. Faith gets worked out in life. And our works, what we do, reveal what we really believe. That's Abraham. That's like the star witness in Judaism. The message that we see in this, 
when you look together at the message from Romans and James, is that Abraham believed God and he was justified before God. That faith, though, drove him to do what God said, to obey God. The fact is, when we exercise faith and say, oh, Lord, thank you for being merciful to me, a sinner. Thank you for sending a Savior who died in my place and rose again. I believe. You see, when we believe, it's so much more than just a ticket to heaven. God himself, who is too big and too magnificent to fit in a building made by human hands, says, I'll live in you. And I'm going to rearrange the furniture, your thoughts, your attitudes, everything about you. When you believe and the living God of the universe takes up residence in you, something's got to change. And it's going to show up in the way we live. Because how you live really is what you believe. Now, some people might have thought, yeah, but Abraham's out of reach. Abraham was just too holy. He's too great. I'm a nobody. So James says, okay, I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum. In verse 25, he says this, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. He's catching both ends of the spectrum here. He went from a patriarch to a prostitute. He said, if this message that I'm saying is true for these two, all of you fit somewhere in, in, in the middle here, and this is true of you. And the point is this, Rahab, we know from this passage, was a prostitute. She was also an innkeeper. And she lived in the city of Jericho. And this is a well-known story. In the Old Testament, when the Israelites were going into the promised land, they had to take the city of Jericho, and they marched around it. But before they did that, they sent some spies into the land to see, what are the defenses of Jericho like? Are there any weak links in the city? And so... The Israelite spies went into the city and they looked for a place to stay and they found this bed and breakfast, this inn. And the indications you get from this, and it's in Joshua chapter 6, I encourage you to go back and read it, is that Rahab knew something about the God of the universe. She worshipped the one true God and she demonstrated it by putting her life on the line, by being an informant. She said to these guys, I'll show you how to get out of here. When the army of Jericho was actively hunting them down. And if you collaborate with a spy in wartime, that's a death sentence. So Rahab risked her life to do the right thing for God's people. She showed what she believed by what she did. So James said three examples here to say good works are going to result from faith. He said about the demons, he said, they have faith alone, but they're not right with God. Talks about Abraham. Abraham showed what he believed by what he did. And then Rahab showed what she believed by what she did. And he concludes it this way in verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. 
I don't think this has the weight to us today that it would have to a first century primarily Jewish audience. Because in ceremonial laws of Judaism, a dead body was not to be touched. It was to be, if you saw a dead body in the street, you were to walk away from it like that. And so what he's saying in here is, hey, guys, have nothing to do with this idea of, oh, yeah, I have faith, and I'm going to live however I want. He's saying stay away from it. Have nothing to do with that mindset. Because real faith will produce good works. But still, it's kind of hard to reconcile what Paul says in Romans and what James says in James. The key to understanding how all this meshes together, and it does, as all of Scripture meshes together. I mean, I think the reality is when we read something in Scripture that we don't get, the problem is not Scripture, it's us. And, and we need to go to the author and say, would you please help us to understand this book and see how it all fits together? James and Paul are using the terms justification in different contexts. The book of Romans, which every Christian ought to read, just as you ought to read the other 65 books of the Bible too, but the book of Romans is all about how to be right with God. The book of Romans is all about how do you get on track with God? How do you get saved? How do you get justified by God before God? The answer to that in Paul's context is by faith alone. Us doing good works does not make us right with God. Because the problem is, as human beings, we all have sin in us. We have this innate leaning away from God. We want to do our own thing. And us doing good works will not make that go away. But God has done what needed to be done so that we could be made right with him. So Paul is using justification here in a legal courtroom setting because the book of Romans, basically all of humanity is called before the cosmic courtroom of God and declared guilty because of our sin. But then it tells a story of what God has done to make us right with him. But then even in Romans, chapter 12 is the hinge point in it. The first verse in chapter 12 says, the only thing that makes sense is that we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Well, why is that? Because of everything he's done for us. So it harmonizes with the message that James is saying. In light of all that God has done for us, it only makes sense that we say, Lord, I'll serve you and I'll do whatever you say. That means that faith produces the good works. So James really echoes this teaching but he, James is saying it in a very practical sense. Don't run around telling people you're saved because you prayed the prayer years ago, but your lifestyle doesn't match up with Scripture. Don't run around saying, hey, I have faith, but then not care about your neighbor. The point of James is, if you guys have real faith, if you have saving faith, it's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you see people for good. So there is no contradiction. The section in Scripture, especially Romans, where it explicitly says you're saved through faith apart from the works of the law, 
That means you're saved by faith apart from the good deeds you do. It means to get a right standing with God. But to show what you believe, to just say you have faith is not enough because real faith is going to drive you to do good works. Now, some people will try to pit Paul against James, but that's a lie. Paul and James were buddies. If you look at Romans and you look at James and you say, well, it's a classic mess, it's a clashing message, let's try to, if you go back to the book of Galatians, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to do this now, but in Galatians chapter 2, it says that Paul went up to see James and they talked about all kinds of doctrine, and that's in, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 7 to 9. And then in verse 16 of chapter 9, that's where Paul says, I'm sorry, verse 16 of chapter 2, Paul says, but it's, you're not saved by the works of the law. But just a few verses earlier, it says that he and James were in cahoots on stuff. So there is no contradiction. Here's what, where it really matters. We are made right with God through faith in what he has done for us on the cross. And there is nothing we can add to it. We're saved by faith alone. And, not but, and the faith that saves is not alone. Meaning, when you have real faith, it's going to propel you to do the right thing. Real faith will work itself out. It's much more than just saying, eh, yeah, I believe. Now, I like eating. I love eating. Eating is a lot of fun. And so when I think of this whole idea of justification by faith alone and works and so on, how it all works together, I want you to think it's getting cold now of a big old plate of spaghetti bolognese. I love spaghetti bolognese, okay? Now, here's the deal. Here's how you make it. Spaghetti... Bolognese, you first of all cook the pasta, and then you add the sauce. Okay? That's just the way it's done. Now, the pasta and the sauce are separate ingredients. You know, you, they're, they're just separate. You get pasta in a box like this, and then you boil it in water. And then, afterwards, you add the sauce after you make it. Has to be in that order, or it's not spaghetti bolognese. That's in my cookbook, if you ever want to read it. Um, so they come together in a bowl, and when spaghetti bolognese comes together, you can't peel it apart. You cannot strip away the pasta from the sauce. So they start out separately, but once they're together, they're all mashed up. You become a Christian, you become right with God by saying, Lord, I believe what Jesus has done for me in my place. You are justified by faith. But then, when it hits you, this is just amazing. God loves me with all my quirks, with all my foibles, with all my sin, with all my shame. He loves me, and he's paid the price for me. And he's in me, and he's with me. That's going to have a transforming effect on our heart. That will add the sauce to the spaghetti bolognese. And then once you have the sauce and the pasta together, you can't separate them. So the reality is, for a Christian, for someone who has received Jesus Christ, the good works should just flow 
out of our lives. As that saying goes, we're justified by faith alone. But the faith that saves is not alone. It shows itself via works. See, God has made us to do good works. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Okay, so you're not, it's not your own doing. It's God's gift through which, by which we're saved. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. Because God didn't want any of us showing up in heaven and saying, hey, you know, I, I attended church three more times than you did, so I'm more worthy of getting in here. Well, yeah, but I helped out four more poor people than you. You know, God didn't want any bragging like that. Any Christian that's proud or thinks they're better than someone else didn't get the gospel. The reality is none of us deserve what God has done. But he loves us so much that he's given us a Savior. And the only thing we can say when it comes to, why are you confident that heaven is your ultimate home? It's because of what Jesus has done. That's the common link all of us have. Didn't matter what our background is, what we have in common is what Jesus has done for us. But then it says this in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this marries those concepts together. You're saved. You're made right with God through what he has done for us. And, not but, and he's made us to do good works. And they flow out of their response to him in light of what he has done for us. So to be clear, at the cross, Jesus did everything that needed to be done so that we could be made right with God. We're justified before God by faith, apart from our good deeds. And the faith that we have in him transforms us so that we do good deeds. And this is very important, especially for two types of people. Very important that we understand this. To the overconfident person, for the person who thinks, I, I've got my ticket to heaven here, this is a wake-up call. God is saying, you want to show what you believe is real? Then live it out. Because if you're just saying, yeah, 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 I prayed the sinner's prayer a few years ago, but I can live however I want, it means something isn't computing, something isn't connecting. Examine yourself. To the person who is worried that they aren't good enough, it's like seeing, oh, my faith is supposed to work itself out, and uh-oh, I've got to have, if my deeds are supposed to flow out of my faith, but I don't think I'm good enough. The message to you is look to the cross and relax. Chances are, if you're concerned about, do I really measure up, you're, you're doing okay. So don't, fall, don't go off in the ditch on either side and say, hey, I'm saved, I got my ticket to heaven, I can run off and do whatever I want. By the same token, don't worry about it and think, oh no, I'm not doing enough. Because Jesus has done enough. To you, I'd say be confident in your profession of faith. Because Jesus has done it all. For all of us, 
Genuine faith will display itself through how we live, especially in how we treat our neighbors. So City View, for us, let's be a church that is just a beacon to this community, a city on a hill that people say, these guys bless our community. We want them here. Let's show the love of Jesus Christ in very real ways. Let's make sure that our profession, the way we live, matches our confession, what we say we believe. Let's be consistent with that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and I thank you that Jesus has done everything that needed to be done so that we could be made right with you. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not yet know Jesus as Savior, I pray that today would be the day they turn to him and believe. Lord, for all who say, I believe, I pray that we would respond to you and that we would worship you by good deeds that just overflow as a result of us being awestruck by all that you have done for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.